You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube, and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania podcast. It's another five count, and I am joined by Garth. How are you, my friend? Good, good. Looking forward to doing this one. Yeah, absolutely. Today we are looking at tag teams, more specifically the top ten best tag teams. And we were talking briefly before we came on air about how this is probably going to cause a slight bit of contention with people. Um, so let us clarify. Obviously, these are teams that we feel, you know, we've seen, we've watched wrestling whilst they were present. Um, so, you know, for example, there's no Midnight Express on here. Um, there's no uh, The Rockers on here because they they were before me and Garth started watching wrestling. Um, and Garth is a lot older than I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to... I'm gonna. That is true. I'm gonna get that into every podcast possible. <laughs> but again, it's if we haven't seen the matches and we don't feel like we've got enough to say about these teams, then we w- we just won't put them in the list because I won't feel like we're doing them justice because we we don't know them. That's right, isn't it, mate? Yeah, I mean, we don't want to sort of gloss over them. No, absolutely and, not. Or try and like wing it if we don't really know who they are. Like, we could easily put in the likes of. Like the Von Erichs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Von Erichs were amazing. But I didn't see enough of it. And a lot of it wasn't in WWE as well. Yeah, like I mean... The legacies were sort of like Mid-South or like NWA and things like that. There's a lot of teams. When you look past the WWE slash WWF, as a lot of these teams are, um, you know, you look into NWA, Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions, you've got a lot of tag teams, you know, not counting... New Japan Pro Wrestling or anything further afield. Exactly. Um, You know, we could have a top 50. We really, really could. And again, like you said, we don't want to gloss over any teams, but there's such a talent pool of teams here. You know, there's no Steiner Brothers on this list, and the Steiner Brothers are amazing. So, again, When you look look at the teams we've got in as well, most of them had good long runs and I mean, most of them had breakout stars as well that went on to be like superstars. Yeah, yeah, they're all comprised of of superstars. And mm-hmm. to be honest, there is a vast majority of teams that have got at least one world champion in there. Yeah, you know, the vast majority of teams. So you know, it's good star quality. It's good. It, I think it's a good list. You probably yeah. will disagree. Which is absolutely fine, <laughs> you know, because if everyone had the same opinion, it'd be an extremely boring place. But shall we get straight into this? Let's go, let's go. Right, so number 10, we are going with Demolition. Now, Demolition deserve to be on any list that counts down top tag teams. Yeah. To be honest, primarily because up until very, very, very recently... They had the longest reign with any w- with a WWE tag team title um, yeah, until, yeah. of course, they fell afoul of trying to sue Vince in court. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know, Axe smashing 
Yes, later on, Crush. Um, yeah, which I think many people will will highlight that as when Demolition started to go a bit downhill. There was yeah. two points when Demolition started to become a bit redundant. The first was when Crush um, joined the group, and the second we'll get to in a moment. But formed in 1987, they were only together for six years. Broke up in 1993. <laughs> so they... <laughs> Considering the success they had, they weren't together that long. Yeah. I mean, the, they've obviously had stuff post-WWE-F. Um, but that, that would have just been legend shows and things like that. And did, they, did they go to WCW at any point? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. But um, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know a lot about Demolition. Yeah. Um, they're just one of those ones that, like, I don't know a massive amount of the history, but they were there for a lot of the early stuff that I watched as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. They were three times tag champs. Yeah. You know, were, um, the second longest title reign of, you know, 400 and something days, which is nothing to be sniffed at. They were in a match that we just recently reviewed with other teams yeah, on the list. Exactly. So, the Hart Foundation the, carried them to a great match. They were always sort of, they were always sort of top of the card. They were never sort of like also runs on the, the the they were always in title picture for the tag belts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at who they feuded with, they feuded with the Hart Foundation, the Twin Towers, the Colossal Connection, the Powers of Pain, Strike Force. <laughs> you know, they feuded with everyone. But what we need to say about Demolition is they were formed primarily as the WWE rip-offs of the Road Warriors. Yep. That is why they were formed. Vince couldn't sign the Road Warriors, so he formed his own weird, gimp-masked versions sort of, of the Road Mad Warriors. Max, sort of, yeah. And bafflingly, they got over. Yeah. You know, people love them. And, you know, as we've said before... Three times tag champs. And they were know. a proper tag team as well. They were. They weren't just until... two guys stuck together. They were, well, obviously until uh, Crush went off, uh, Smash went off to be Repo Man. <laughs> One of the greatest costume changes in the history of WWE, I think everyone will agree. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, Axe and Smash, the original duo definitely, mm-hmm. I think, are are iconic. I think the problem for Demolition came when the WWF did eventually sign the Road Warriors, obviously mm-hmm. then repackaged as yeah. the Legion of Doom, um, because that's who Vince wanted. And once once Vince had got the Legion of Doom, Demolition fell down the card and then quietly broke up. Yeah, Crush went on a singles push, feuded with Randy Savage. Um, Smash went on to have a very successful uh, career as Repo Man. Um, winning countless world championships and tag belts, um, and then Axe, Axe did was nothing. Axe, yeah, Axe physically did nothing. <laughs> but yeah, number ten, demolition. I think we can both agree that that's a good start to the list. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Holy tag team. Now this one, this was my idea. Number nine, the only WCW entry on this list, um, is Harlem Heat. Now, the reason that I have chosen Harlem Heat is because, similar to how you said, 
they were comprised of two people who had fantastic chemistry. You've got Booker T and Stevie Ray, real-life brothers. They worked really, really well as a team. They were good in the ring. They, you know, their moves were impactful. You know, they were massive ev- as well. They were huge. You know, their Big Apple Blast, the Heat Seeker, the Heat Bomb, the Towering Inferno, all these moves they did were absolutely amazing. And they were really impactful. Ten times they held the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Ten times. I mean, that's that's a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but they've got plaudits from around the world. You know, one that I've got is Kevin Powers um, from WWE. From WWE, I've written this down. Said when deb- when debating the greatest tag team in WCW, Harlem Heat and the Steiner brothers are pretty much the top two. Mm. And I agree. I mean, you think back to WCW, you can name single stars. And you know, yes, there's the NWO that you know was like a big black cloud over the w- over WCW. Yeah. But there's not a lot of tag teams that you can say they're iconic. No, not not from there. A but, lot of them was. A lot of them were just sort of cobbled together. Yeah, exactly. You know, Lex Luger and Sting, for example. Yeah, I mean, tag again, team they, smashed together. This they, they were a proper tag team. They stayed together as a t- team for a long time, and they worked as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, when it came to late '96, early '97, they fell <laughs> foul to the Outsiders and the NWO. Yeah, and I think they suffered the same fate as most of the roster where they fell into the NWO shuffle. And then obviously Stevie Ray joined, was it him who joined the NWO? Uh, I think, it, what? yes, I think he did join the NWO. Um, so that obviously set Booker T on his sort of singles run. Which he needed to go on because he was, I don't want, I'm, I'm loath to say that he was the more charismatic one because that's quite disrespectful to Stevie Ray. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely the more known one. For uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he was the more sort of... He was a more athletic one. Marketable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he was, absolutely. I mean, when it came to 1999, you know, they had all this faff with the NWO and they fought over a woman. Mm. <laughs> a female bodybuilder called Midnight. Um, Booker T brought her in. I know. Booker T brought her in. Stevie Ray didn't like her. Challenged her to a match, obviously, uh, which Midnight won, obviously. So Stevie Ray turned on both Booker T and Midnight. And then they had that really famous feud in 2000 after um, Stevie Ray formed Harlem Heat 2000 with Big (laughs) T. Uh, Booker T lost the rights to both his name and the music. Yes, he had a feud with Big T over the letter T. And they had a... Um, 2000 WCW, ladies and gentlemen. Sensational Queen Sherry is their um, manager at some point as well, didn't they? Yes, she was. Yes, she, she was. Like S- Sister Sherry or something. Oh, I can't remember. So I remember her being there, but what she was actually called, I don't know. Um, I, just, I loved this team. Especially, you know, 95, 96... Harlem Heat, they were amazing. Mm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, and this is the reason why you will find so few WCW names in this list, the NWO encapsulated everything. Yeah, it was just, it just became a bit of a, um, like a black hole of the talent. 
It did. And it's a shame in a way that once WCW was bought out by the WWE, it's a shame that this team didn't come over. But I suppose yeah. in 2001, the tag scene was that stacked. You know, at the top, so you've just... got three of the most iconic tag teams in the history of the company. Yeah. You know, I suppose at least at least Booker T went on to sort of do really well. Five time, WWE. five time, five time. Yeah. Yeah. King I mean, of the ring. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, King Booker. Yeah, Booker. Um, I love that. I yeah, love that it, again, he had the charisma, which... Unfortunately, I feel like Stevie Ray didn't quite have, and obviously he didn't. He never signed on with the WWF, and he seemed to just sort of fall out of wrestling, didn't he? Just he did, and we're just left wondering what could have happened. It could I have think. been a, it could have been a tag team commentary. They could, <laughs> and to be honest, I would have loved to have seen Harlem Heat versus the Dudleys, Harlem yeah. Heat versus Edge and Christian, Harlem Heat versus the Hardy Boys. You know, it would have been amazing. It really would, but mm. you know, never happened. <laughs> they may call me a dreamer. Um, <laughs> so number nine, Harlem Heat. Number eight. This is the entry. I feel people are going to go. You left off the Steiners <laughs> for these. Yep. So I'll stand by it. Yeah, this is Garth's input. This is why I never get Garth to do the lists. Um, no, I'm joking. I agree with him. Uh, number eight, beer money. Now beer money. Again, the only TNA um, entry on this list, and you know why. Because mm-hmm. there's not been that many great teams in TNA. Uh, you know, I mean, there's, been there's been more than... Passed through. Yeah, absolutely. The Hardys, for example. Um, Generation Me. The Wolves, not too bad. Generation Me, who are now... Um, what do you call them? The Jackson Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in... The Young Bucks. Yes, sorry, I was going to make wrestling fans who listen to our podcast go, I you forgot who the Young Bucks were. I totally forgot their name. <laughs> yeah, they were Generation Me, and they literally looked like 15-year-old kids. I mean, whenever I look at TNA, and it's very rare, I'll be honest, TNA, Impact, <laughs> Global Force, Anaheim, whatever they're called, it's very rare, but I swear to God, every time I look at them, LAX are tag team champions. Oh, I love LAX as well. They See, I don't give a shit about them. I really See, their, don't. Their, their feud with beer money was like pretty good. Um, sort of later on, they sort of petered out. But um, they, they were alright. But beer money were the ones. They were so good because it was such a good team. They were a good again, team. It's a, it's Both again, it's of the, them. The... I mean, and this is for me the difference between these and Harlem Heat. Whereas Harlem Heat relied a lot on Booker T, both these men, James Storm and Bobby Roode, had charisma for days. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, James Storm had just come out of America's Most Wanted. So he was still playing sort of cowboy. And they were... Like, they were a really good team as well. Um, And obviously, Bobby Roode had been in the whole Team Canada thing. Yeah, they had. So they both had had previous sort of tag team experience yeah so they came together and it just I don't know like I remember watching it and they'd been clubbed together a couple of times but then when they actually became being money because obviously James Storm was the drinking cowboy guy Bobby Roode was the sort of the it what would you call yeah like a sort of JBL type character which he played really well by the way and that's what I mean so he would wear the suit and James Storm would come out with 
like a big trench coat and this cowboy hat, and they looked totally different. But it worked. It was like that opposite to track thing. Exactly. Um, then when they were in the ring, they had like such good chemistry. Yeah, five. T- the record tying five times Impact Tag Team Championship yeah. uh, Tag Team Champions. Um, you said before their main feud was with LAX, um, who you know seemed to just be at the top of TNA <laughs> tag teams whenever I look. Um, but they also had really, really good matches with Team 3D. Yeah, and the Motor City um, Machine Guns. Well, they had like a series of matches with the Motor City Machine Guns, and they're some of the best tag team matches I've ever seen ever. Yeah, because both team. I mean, Motor City Machine Guns could be on this list. Mm-hmm. You know, they had fantastic, fantastic matches. Um, and you know, if you haven't seen them, go. They are on YouTube. You can find them. The um, thing with them, um, the thing with being one as well, they're splitting them up. I think just at the right time as well. They did, and and the feud was. Really good coming out of it as well. I wanted to talk about the feud in a minute because the way they did it and the way they worked it, just it it was so natural and it was so mm-hmm. organic that it just worked. I mean, after their first tag team reign, they introduced something called the off the wagon segment. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where basically they'd come out as tag team champions and they'd challenge and they'd say, Right, any two wrestlers, doesn't matter who you are, don't even have to be a team, come out. We'll put our tag team championships on the line. And basically, if we win, whoever we pin or submit are fired from TNA. Yeah. That was when they had um, Jacqueline with them. Yes, it was. I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And the first team that the term sort of took them on was Eric Young. And who was it? Eric Young and um, Petey Williams. Petey Williams was the Canadian and, destroyer. Yeah, and he was the person that got pinned. Um, <laughs> and eventually it was Team 3D that actually came onto that segment and took the titles off them. Um but it was it was such a novel idea. I was reading about yeah. it going, that's amazing. That's really, really good. Obviously really... you talked about the feud. Um what what worries me about tag teams nowadays is that they go one of two ways. It seems to be that they either are far too short lived, a la Enzo and Cass, or yeah. they are just thrust down our throats for too long so that nobody gives a shit about them. Yeah, and this was one of the rare, rare occasions where it actually worked. Mm-hmm. It actually felt natural. I mean, I've, I've you know blown praise at TNA for the Bound for Glory sort of series idea, you know that sort of gives a bit of legitimacy to singles match to otherwise meaningless singles matches. Yeah. But in the 2012 one, both James Storm and Bobby Roode were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, they were both in the top four, so they both qualified for the semi-finals. Bobby Roode then, got through to the final against Kurt Angle, but lost. Yeah. James Storm was made number one contender, and he won. He beat Kurt Angle for the title, and then Roode beat Storm for the title by hitting him with a beer the, bottle. Hit the beer bottle, yeah. And that's when the um, Bobby Roode heel turn which he played perfectly. You watch stuff with beer money and you watch stuff when Bobby Roode is TNA champion and then you look at what's being done with him on Raw and you just think, how is this the same person? It's criminal. (laughs) It is because, I mean, the NXT Bobby Roode was a lot closer to how his character in TNA. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just look at it and go, what? He's just, he's a heel turn. 
waiting to happen. Definitely. I mean, because at the minute he just sort of sh- smiles and an entrance. What feuding with Elias? I, I, I just don't care about him at all. I, in fact, I was having a conversation with someone the other day. I genuinely forgot Bobby Roode was on Raw. I thought he was still on SmackDown. <laughs> but that, you know, oh, yeah. it's oh, criminal. Yeah, and when you look at beer money, when they were in their prime, because, you know, they started in 2008. They were dissolved by 2012. Yeah. They were done by 2012. I think they... I think they did they get back together in 2016 very, very briefly the, before yeah, Bobby Roode signed, signed for NXT? Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, the... The crowd loved them when they used to do the thing mid-match, where they would sort of bend over and like sort of do the sort of whoa, yeah. And then James Storm would go beer, <laughs> and you'd have thingy go money, and the crowd would go absolutely wild for it. Just charisma, uh-huh. so good. Just a connection and the song was great with an well. audience. I love their entrance tune as well. <laughs> their entrance tune is pretty good. Sound like a Leonard Skinner song or something. Oh, you can't go wrong with Leonard Skinner. <laughs> Never. Um, but yeah, number eight, beer money. Number seven, we've gone with the most modern um, entrance on our list, I think, um, in the New Day. And very, very simply, you can't have a tag team list without the longest, longest. reigning <laughs> tag champs. Yeah. 483 days. It's a long time to hold the championships. And to be fair, it's not like... Yes, obviously it's, it was set up for them to do that, but it's not like they didn't have great matches. No, and we're going to go so, into their matches in a yeah. moment. I mean, they're four times tag team champions. I mean, obviously I know we've had the brand split, so they've held the SmackDown championships, they've had the Raw championships, and <laughs> and so on and so forth. But when they started, and this is this is the thing for me, when they started, people hated them. They were faces, oh, yeah. but people hated them because there was just there was there was nothing to them. It was yeah. that whole sort of, um, sort of, even like sort of gospel-y type thing that they tried to pull, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it came off the back of Big E and Kofi just on this ridiculous losing streak. And then, I think it was 2014, where Xavier Woods came out and just went, no, let's team up, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And then they kind of, they won and then went off TV for ages, came back and like say it was all this like gospel choir thing. And it just it connected with no one because they were faces and nobody yeah. cared. The moment they turned heel, and I think it was a number one contendership match against the Lucha Dragons, and the moment they turned heel, people loved them. Yeah. I mean, there was it's a... When, ta- the whole, when the whole New Day rocks thing and exactly. everyone else was something New Day sucks. Yeah, exactly. But look at them now. People mm-hmm. love the New Day. They're hilarious. There's talk now of Big E getting out on his own, and to be honest, I could see that definitely. And it's it's all been a natural progression as well. It's not been, it doesn't feel sort of like it's been like sort of synthesized. No, they've just they've just let it happen slowly, slowly, slowly. And as well, there was a there was a worry in late 2016 that the New Day was starting to get just a smidge stale. And I know that towards the end of the tag reign, there was a lot of people, you know, wishing that they dropped the titles, which obviously they eventually did to the bar. It's because you could see what what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Vince loves a record, doesn't he? But, um, you know, the changeover to SmackDown, and good grief, it reinvigorated the characters again completely. And look at the matches they've had. The matches just against the Usos have been... That that, um, 
That one in the cage is one the that's hell in the cell match. Favorite matches, yeah. Fantastic. And when you consider that 2017 was hardly a banner year for SmackDown, <laughs> one of the feuds that carried it, and in fact for me, the feud that carried it was the New Day versus the Usos. Yeah, definitely. And when you've got a team that consists of Kofi Kingston, who's a ring veteran, a very athletic, very good wrestler, Big E, who's fantastic, he's got comedic timing for days, his wrestling ability is fantastic, he's an ex-NXT world champion, and then you've got Xavier Woods, to add to that as well, who is criminally underrated as a wrestler. Yeah. It's impossible. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, he doesn't really... He's used more as the mascot. He doesn't really get to show his proper in-ring chops. I mean, he has more. So he recently. has recently, yeah. I was just going to yeah. say, but it's you know, for me, they are the greatest tag team at the moment in the WWE. There's no one that can touch them. No, definitely. And when you've got a tag team division, especially in what 2014, 2015 where you've got the prime-time players as your tag team champions. <laughs> you know, what the fuck? There was genuinely a tag team of Heath, Heath Slater and Titus O'Neil called Slatergator. I know. I don't even remember that. <laughs> you got tag teams between Zack fucking Ryder and um, Santina Morella. Jesus. It's like, for God's sake. Oh, the co- it's like the Cobros. The Cobros, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know... These were an injection that I feel like the tag division needed, and purely for that tag team reign, purely for the fact that they have put on some of the best tag team matches the WWE has seen, they deserve this place on the list and most they're, definitely. They're they even are, when they're not, even when they're not wrestling, they're they're relevant because the, when they hosted the WrestleManias, they weren't wrestling on. They were still one of the best, most entertaining parts. Yeah, because they didn't over sort of like shove them mm-hmm. in your face every between every match. Yeah. Which I think was everyone's worry. But do you know what? During their feud with the Usos, you had the rap battle, which was something completely different, but again, <laughs> both teams smashed it. But yeah. then you got a feud between the Usos and... Not the Usos, who was it? Oh, it was the Usos, yeah. Where they were facing off in the ring, and Biggie flipped from you know that happy-go-lucky, cuddly, sexual chocolate character <laughs> to proper intense... Yeah. And it was like, oh, I like this. Jesus, I like this. And he flipped back again straight away. But it just showed that there is another dimension to the team. And if, you know, heaven forfend anyone get bored of them, if they were ever to flip back to that, I'd be over the moon. I really they would. Definitely, they definitely could see them, um, even if they just put it all on hold for a bit and Biggie went off and the others went off, when they come back eventually... The pop for that will be unbelievable. There is talk of Vince wanting to make Big E a single star. Yeah. But let's not forget, Big E had the opportunity to be a single star and ended up being Dolph Ziggler's lackey, slapping AJ Lee in the chest. So, you know, he had a chance. But if Big E is destined for a singles push, hell knows he deserves it. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I'd be fully behind that. So number seven... The New Day. Number six, and we're getting into some really, really good tag teams here. And it was six all the way through to two, I think, could probably be interchangeable. Yeah. Quite easily. Even, I mean, even one, I suppose, 
some of these could be bumped up to one. I think number one is there purely on legacy, which probably yeah. ruins who number one is. I mean, if you don't know who number <laughs> one is, why are you listening to this podcast? Um, but number six, we have got Edge and Christian. These were amazing. They yep. really were. <laughs> and considering they were together for three years, 1998 to 2001, as Edge and Christian, not as the brood, which What's they con- were before. Yeah, conquistadors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or as the conquistadors. In three years, they won the tag titles seven times. And I remember, um, obviously, doing the podcast, I've watched a lot more pay-per-views. Um, every time I've turned on a pay-per-view from that from that either era, either Edge and Christian have gone in as champions or they have won the belts. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, WrestleMania 17, Armageddon 2000, it seems to happen every time. Just They seem to get the titles. But, I mean, what a tag team. Everything yeah. from the five-second poses, which were absolutely hilarious, to just their general comedic chops with um, Kurt Angle. To the matches just, they had, yeah, uh-huh. just you could, you could tell they were they were they weren't just a team. They were well, they were sort of Penders brothers originally. Yes, yes, but they were. You could, you could tell they were like close. Yeah, and this is another sort of example of a tag team that was killed before it went too far because yeah. people were genuinely shocked. When Christian turned on Edge. Yeah. Really genuinely shocked. The only problem with this tag team, and don't get me wrong, I loved Edge and Christian. Everything from the big glasses to (laughs) just their general heel antics to Edge's terrible, terrible spear. The problem is (laughs) with this tag team is that it was always Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian. Christian was always seen as, and you know, this is the same as in their singles push. You know, Christian was always seen as Edge's like a, sort of a, yeah Lesser. shadow. Let's That's say why he left. <laughs> well, he became Christian Cage, went to TNA, won the championship there, came back, and went straight back into what he was doing before. Yeah. Um, obviously, he did win the world championship and have a odd feud with Randy Orton. <laughs> he but, had um, that really good feud. Where it was just one more match. One more match. <laughs> one more match. <laughs> yeah, we did a review um, of Capital Punishment. And um, obviously there was uh, Christian was portrayed as the heel, despite the fact that he was the one being screwed over. I was like, how can you yeah. have that? That makes no sense. But, you know, never mind. I mean, looking at Edge and Christian's matches, they had fantastic matches with the Hardys. You know, you had TLC 1 and TLC 2 between those yeah. and the Hardys and the Dudleys. And it was a real, in the attitude here, it was a real golden age of wrestling. And yes, the belts were hot potatoed like you would not believe, which yeah. is why a lot of these people, you know, a lot of these teams have ridiculously inflated tag team title reigns. But when you look at the quality of the wrestling, can you blame them really? Yeah. Can you blame them? Especially um, considering where they came from. The sort of the brood thing. Yeah. Yeah, even as the brood though, when, you know, they were basically Gangrel's backup. Um you could see that there was something more. Yeah. You could certainly tell that there was not necessarily charisma, but there was there was something that could have been utilised when they were in the brood. And luckily, the WWE saw it and we got a ridiculous amount of good matches and title reigns and we got two 
bona fide Hall of Famers. Yeah. You know, whenever Christian gets inducted, which he bloody should do. Um, and their podcast is hilarious as well. Yeah, I listen to that all the time. Yeah, it is extremely funny. Because, again, it's just it's just two friends shooting the shit. Exactly, which is why Harlem Heat had such great chemistry, and it's mm-hmm. why Edge and Christian had such great chemistry. And it's why, I mean, even, I suppose, it, when you listen to sort of um, the Lance Storm podcast, whenever Jericho was on there, they just rip the piss out of Lance Storm like there's no tomorrow <laughs> because they're friends. It's it's the best way though. It's the best way, and I'm sure, like anyone else, we would have loved to have seen another two years, maybe even three of Edge and Christian. But yeah, it was again another feud that felt organic. You know, Christian being sick of being put in Edge's shadow because everyone could see that was happening. Yeah, that's it. It was so, reality. Exactly. It was reality, and that makes the best feuds. Unless it's between Matt Hardy and uh, Edge over Lita, because that's just awkward. <laughs> but, that, was uh, oh, that was horrible. <laughs> horrible watching that. But uh, yes, number six, Edge and Christian. Top five now, halfway through. And number five is the Heart Foundation. Um, yes. What is this to say about the Heart? We're talking about the original Heart Foundation, by the way, not the new Heart Foundation. <laughs> or the Heart Dynasty, or the Heart Foundation 2.0, or whatever other ridiculous, like you know, incarnations that actually was of this. Uh, we're talking about Jim the original. Nightheart. Yeah, we're talking about Jim Bianville Neidhart and Bret Hart. They started a lot earlier than I thought. Yeah, a really lot early. earlier. Um, they Jim, debuted Jimmy Hart. <laughs> yeah, managed by Jimmy Hart. They debuted at WrestleMania two, I believe, um, where they were part of the. Um, the Battle Royale that had all the NFL players in it. But they were the last two eliminated by Andre the Giant, who eventually won it. So, you know, they had a good showing. Um, And we talked, when we talked about beer money, we talked about teams having not just chemistry, but being opposites and how the opposites attract. You're not going to find two more opposite characters (laughs) Than Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Brett the Hitman Hart. There's just there's no way. Brett is this. Whenever you see them in promos, whenever you see them in matches, you've got Brett who's cold, calculated, thinks everything out, and then you've got Jim the Anvil Neidhart who is <laughs> lunacy personified, just stroking oh, just... his beard, laughing at everything. But it worked. And when they were managed by Jimmy Hart, and when <laughs> they were heel as well, it worked so well. It yes, really yeah. did. I mean, they were bastards. Especially when you consider, I mean, they were doing all this stuff and they were coming out wearing pink. Yeah. Nobody wore pink. I mean, I think we should take then, a moment to just appreciate Jim, Jim the Anvil Neidhart's like pink skull cap that yeah. made him oh, look bald. Yeah. Jesus Christ, that was a just it was like a fashion died that day, didn't it? Jesus skull cap stroke beret. Yeah, it was it was awful, absolutely <laughs> awful. Anyway, carry on. What we say. And they used to wear, like, they had the, the sort of pink leotards and then the, the wore those jackets with the sort of frills on them. They were cool they exactly, Yeah, but it's hard to think of them now that they were actually heels. Yeah, because people love them. Yeah. And, you know, again, they had amazing matches. The Rockers, um, Demolition, LODs. Pardon? The Killer Bees. The Killer Bees, yeah, absolutely. They had fantastic matches. 
You know, the Nasty Boys, even even with the Nasty Boys, nobody yeah. had good matches with the Nasty Boys. Nobody. <laughs> but because the pairing of Jim uh, Jim Neidhart and Bret Hart was so good and because they were family and because they'd wrestled for so long beforehand and because they knew each other, they got an amazing connection. Again, it's the Harlem Heat Syndrome, the Edge and Christian Syndrome, where yeah. a lot of it was placed on the shoulders of Bret who was clearly the breakout star of that tag team. I mean, you've only got to look at their careers post the Hart Foundation after WrestleMania 7 when they lost the titles to the Nasty Boys. Yeah. Um, to see that, I mean, Jim Neidhart pretty much what fell off the edge of the earth, didn't he, really? He formed well, that ill-fated tag must... team with Owen. Oh, yeah. He came this must out be one of the rare cases where there wasn't a sort of acrimonious split. Well, Basically, Brett just got pulled away to go for the Intercontinental. Brett pretty much just got too big to be in the tag division. Yeah. And still sort of every now and then he would be in a match. With Jim. Until until obviously, yeah, until obviously like Owen started making his way up. Because I, I can't remember any sort of solo run for Jim. Very, very like, little. I know he was, re- he was released. Not for well for drugs basically, mm, yeah. um, and crack, crack cocaine on it. Well, just look at his promos. You know, anyone could have told you that. You don't have to be a sniffer dog to tell that. Um, but it's it's a shame because he was good in the ring, but Brett just had something else. And you know, when you look at that style of work, you know, the Shawn Michaels, the Mister Perfect, the Bret Hart, that was what they were after in the new generation. You know, nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four. So, again, perhaps WrestleMania 7 was the right time to dissolve that tag team. But they'd had a good run, two-time champs. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd beaten Demolition for it. So, And people loved them. It wasn't they like people were one, sick of them. And they had one of the best uh, tag finishes as well. Oh, the heart attack is still yeah. iconic now. Nobody does it. Well, actually, I say that. Natalia and Becky Lynch do it on Money in the Bank 2016. It was literally, we on our last podcast, we were talking about the heart attack. And um, our next retro pay-per-view review is Money in the Bank 2016. I thought, oh, well, I'm still awake. I'm waiting for the <laughs> podcast to um, to sort itself out. So I'll, uh, I'll watch a bit of Money in the Bank 2016, see, see what it's about. And Natalia and Becky Lynch do it, and it just it lacks the impact. Yeah, that Jim Brett and Brett did it. Sort of follow through on that. Yeah, Brett looked like he legitimately wanted to hurt someone. Yeah, which uh, which is fair enough. Which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, they deserve their place on this list. They really do because when you've got a time really when you look at other tag teams, you've got powers of pain, power and glory. And teams like that, you needed something a bit different, and that Heart yeah. Foundation were that, especially when there was no more rockers. You know, there was no more Shawn Michaels tossing yeah, himself around of, the ring. Yeah. So you needed that, I feel, in the tag division at that time. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah, number five, the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Top four. Number four, one of my all-time favorite tag team, and I'm sure, you know. Pretty high on everyone's list, I would have thought, just for legacy. It's the Hardy Boys. Yes. Um, six times WWE Tag Team Champions, one times Raw Tag Team Champions, obviously on the return. 
uh, one times our Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. They've won the TNA Tag Team Championships twice. I mean, I could go on and on, but these men are decorated. And have, they been, have they done? Have they been in New Japan? I thought they had. I will double check, but um, I can't remember if they had. I'd be surprised sure. if they hadn't. I would be very, very surprised. Um, but even from the early nine, not early nineties, sorry, like the the middle to late nineties, because obviously Jeff de- debuted when he was sixteen, mm-hmm. I think against Razor Ramon, and yes, just got got destroyed. But they then came together to create the flamboyant Hardy Boys, which you know, with the Team Extreme, with Lita, people adored them. Straight away, it was just again. It's that it's that thing. It's different. I mean, you've got Jeff's high flying compared with Matt's ground game, effectively. Like technical, he is a good wrestler. Yeah, they were just they were what they just epitomised the attitude era from the way they dressed to the hair to you know the weird shirts that no one ever wears. Those weird see-through shirts, and then randomly they'd take them off in the middle of the match, and girls would go wild, and it was like you'd feel a bit weird about it, but you were like, "Yes, I love this." And Jeff then Jeff like would ascend to the highest colors. Yeah, Jeff yeah. would have yellow and pink and green in his hair, and then he'd ascend to the highest part of the fucking <laughs> arena, and he'd try and kill himself by jumping on people, and just all ev- those stupid bloody arm. Sock things. Which, when you were 13, was the coolest thing in the yeah. entire world, and everyone <laughs> wanted them. And then whenever you went on to create a wrestler on any wrestling game, you realised that they had the arm things, and you were like, well, I'm fucking having me some of them. <laughs> and suddenly you'd just be turned into a Jeff Hardy clone. Your finisher would always be the Swanton Bomb, and you'd always have a twist of fate. You know, <laughs> the... <laughs> Sorry, just a little bit of a, uh, yeah, little bit of a flashback there. there. Um... <laughs> I mean, just for legacy, these two men, along with Edge and Christian, along with the Dudley Boys, they carried the tag division, as I've said before, and they made wrestling exciting. They made the tag division exciting. Every match they had, they made exciting. I mean, I was watching not so long ago, um, ECW, December to Dismember, which are wank paper if you don't watch it. I don't know why I watched it. I don't know why I tortured myself. But the first match is between Eminem um, uh, Morrison and Joe Mercury against yeah. the Hardy Boys and it's the best match on the card because the Hardys are amazing yeah. and they always will be you know, you're not going to get a bigger pop than the Hardys return at Wrestlemania 33 that exactly. should that tell unreal. you just how beloved they are I mean God, I hated it when they feuded because their feuds, despite them being brothers and despite them both being really Really good wrestlers. Their feuds were shit. Was the was the one to feud about um, Jeff Hardy's dog? Yeah. Was it my, or his house of, or something? One of them. I think Jeff had managed to set a fire or Matt set a fire. Basically, one of them had set a fire in the other's this, house and it had killed their dog. It, it started out as always oh, an accident, but then he says, no, actually, no, it wasn't. Yeah, and it was like, this has got a bit dark. Bloody yeah. hell. I remember watching that thinking, shit. Yeah, Jesus Christ, where did this come from? Um, but Team Extreme, Jeff, everyone... Jeff had been in an accident or something, hadn't he? And yes. Matt was saying it was me, I caused it and all this. And... <laughs> yeah, I think 
especially you're looking at 2003 onwards, Matt constantly reinvigorating his character in order to try and keep up with the love for Jeff because Jeff was everyone's favourite. Jeff just did Jeff? Jeff. Jeff just found the tallest thing and jumped off it. I mean, the man's an absolute lunatic. How is he still wrestling? How is he? Yeah, he's like, how is he not a broken... Well, he probably is. He probably is, yeah. He's probably in agony, but... So broken, yeah. I mean, there's a... He's 40-odd now, and he's still doing the Swanton Bomb, for God's sake. Yeah. Off things. He's doing the Swanton Bomb off things. How? How is he doing that? I like... I mean, when you um, when you listen to interviews, especially with Matt, you, you, can, you, can, you can see how clever he is. Yeah. How smart he is when... I mean, they were running their own promotion before they were even in WWE. Yeah, they're in Backyard Wrestling thing. Was it Omega Wrestling or something? Something like that, yeah. And, I mean, so they know... Especially, like I say, Matt, he knows exactly how to work a crowd. Um, I mean, even when he had that horrible run with the V2 or whatever it was. Oh, version V1. Two. Version yeah, 1.2 or something, whatever it was. Yeah. That was terrible. That was when he was sort of like fat Matt. Fat Matt. <laughs> um, and he had the song about slapping a tornado and stuff. <laughs> um, but he still Was that of... the one where he had facts on the screen when it came out? Oh, up? it was like... Yeah, it was like a, was it like a computer screen? Yeah, loading in like Matt Fact number yeah. twenty three doesn't like I milk mean, or something. I suppose he still was trying to stay relevant because he was keeping up with the whole move over to the internet and um, whereas Jeff just went to TNA and just did Jeff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and got high. Yeah, got high, jumped off shit, which is Jeff's thing. You know, that, that apart from that match that he had with Sting. Ooh. Where Sting was just sort of, I'm not having this shit. Just walked off. Rolled him up, walked off. Just rolled him up, walked away. And it's just oh. like... Oh, God. Oof. That uh, was when um, I remember watching and thinking, Jeff Hardy's done now. He's done. He's, he's never coming back. And then he, a couple of months later, he's back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a household name. You put Jeff Hardy on a card, people will want to see him. Look, he's the United States champion, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. In 2018. Look, they, like, Jeff... Like, he must be one of the very, very few people who have had more than two chances to go back to WWE. Yeah. But then again, it's common knowledge that Vince has always been high on him. That's what I mean, yeah. I mean, he's one of the few that Vince would take those amount of chances on, especially now where they're more PC than they've ever been. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And got him, and they're obviously anti-drugs, and he's got a history of various addictions so but yeah. I just I suppose it sort of speaks that how good their work is it's timeless it really really yeah. is and, and that, like this, well like you mentioned that pop at mania was incredible and you're not going to get that bigger pop for a team that hasn't you know that hasn't connected with an audience they've connected mm-hmm. with an audience because it's what the audience wanted they were cool yeah. they were legitimately cool you know that. I mean, who hasn't stood in their bedroom door listening to the Hardys theme tune, which is iconic, by the way. As soon as those drums hit, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" You know, holding their balls, doing the weird waving thing that Jeff Hardy does. No, I, I, I always hated that. Did you? I bet you've done it though. I was always a Matt guy. Were you a Matt guy? Ah, right. Even Fat Matt. But even then, I mean, look at them now. The bloody. Reinvented once again. 
Matt Hardy, just once again making them relevant in a because they're different. But he's a master of that. That whole broken, and then he brought in like because when he was doing the whole broken thing, I thought, how's he going to bring Jeff into this? Because Jeff was just Jeff, but then he obviously brainwashed him, <laughs> as you do. Brought him back as brother Nero. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and it worked. <laughs> it did work. It did work. It was. I don't think it's been more popular. It's more popular in TNA, I think, than it has been in WWE. And that's not to yeah. say that it hasn't got it, over in WWE. But I don't think it has as much. No, I think it's because it's people have seen it. Yeah. So the people who were shocked originally with it aren't so much. Um. And I think the people who didn't see it originally are just thinking, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, what's happened to Matt? He's aged. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, number four, the Hardy Boys. What else can we say about them? They're fantastic. It doesn't feel like they've aged, even though they clearly have, because Matt has this horrendous limp now. Um, <laughs> but just incredible. Incredible. And yeah. Matt's ability to constantly reinvent his character to stay relevant, and Jeff just being Jeff, just <laughs> makes them one of the most iconic tag teams in wrestling they're history just, for me. They're, they're both obviously really creative because obviously Jeff's done his other characters like that Willow, things like that. I think the less we talk about Jeff Hardy's alter egos, the better. <laughs> um, because we've also got Itchweed and fucking hell, what a car crash that was. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, number three. Now, I am aware... This is an odd one. <laughs> yeah, I am aware, ladies and gentlemen, that... They only won the tag titles once. And I'm aware that they didn't really start as a tag team. And I'm sure that that will be pointed out to me. But there is a legitimate reason that they are on this list. So number three is Degeneration X. More specifically, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Yeah. Now, yes, they only won it once. And to be fair, the first time they won the title was in their second or third run. So we're talking 2000s. Now, I'm not talking about their ability to wrestle, even though that's unquestionable. They're multi-time world champions between them. And I'm not talking about how, you know, they they were a fantastic tag team because they had matches, they were okay. But looking at 1997, you would got WCW with The Outsiders and Hulk Hogan as the NWO. And in, you know, late 96, early 97, you would still got utter bollocks going on in the WWF. You would still got people like The Goon, you know, (laughs) The Bin Man, or whatever his name was. You know, you'd still got stupid characters like that. And WWF were in severe, severe trouble, you know, there was a severe threat of them going under, and oh, they yeah. needed an injection of something that could connect them to this angsty audience. Mm-hmm. And that connection was DX. Yep. You know, the whole showing your ass, dick jokes, boobs kind of thing. And yes, okay. looking back <laughs> at it now, looking back at it now, it is borderline unwatchable. Oh, yeah. Um, so is most of the attitude ever. Well, yeah, that is true. But. At the time, and yes, the ascension of Stone Cold Steve Austin is probably a bigger reason, but a big thing at the start of the Attitude Era, that started the Attitude Era, is these two men. And the fact that they were willing to do something completely stupid 
to try and bring the company back into relevance because it was fading fast. And they were one of the first at the time as well to start using, go back to using sort of like rock music, if you know what I mean. Like that song of theirs was obviously a blatant rip off of Rage Against the Machine. Oh God, yes, absolutely. It totally fit and it, a lot of the people around that time beforehand were, they were coming out with the sort of cartoon stuff yeah i mean where they were still using the really sort of cheesy early 90s stuff the they were the foil for the heart foundation that is yeah why they were bought in i feel or why that's what they wanted to do they wanted to be you know the dickheads basically and to be honest it started as a vehicle for sean when he was world champion Mm -hmm. but their merchandise sold out ridiculously quickly. They were packing venues again. And yet they might they might not have wrestled as a tag team very often, but they always did everything in that three, didn't they? Triple H, Shawn Michaels and yeah. China. I mean they did start off with just them two. It was Rick Rude with them when they first started as well? Yes. I believe so, yeah, and then ridiculous. he ended up going back to WCW, didn't he? Yeah. Um I feel, I feel like I'm having to justify it, justifying the fact that it's on the list. But for, not necessarily for legacy, but for what they did for the company at a yeah. time of need, I feel like DX needs to be on this list, and specifically the pairing of Sean. Well, and that, I mean, they did have that. Pretty, I mean, it was a decent run when they came back. I'm sure did it not last for a couple of years. Was that the two thousand? That was the two thousand nine incarnation, wasn't it? Like the two thousand six or two thousand something like that, where they had pretty decent run and they were sort of having matches quite regular. Yeah, it's uh, when because they, they came back as more sort of babyface comedy, where Sean wasn't allowed to say the swearing anymore, um, which worked. Yeah, it did. It was it was weird, especially when he couldn't do the crotch chop because yeah. he's a born you know he's a born again Christian. Mm-hmm. Which was weird, but um, he would just do that sort of running around the ring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, one of my favourite promos is when they did the address, um, <laughs> and they were talking about words that they couldn't use, and Sean just yeah. kept saying the words by accident. And I know that it was, you know, it's childish again looking back at it now. It's, and it's when they just kept like it's the way they kept looking at each other. I mean. <laughs> They had fantastic <laughs> chemistry. They did. And, you know, the name Degeneration X, everyone knows it. Everyone yeah. knows it. I mean, Trip, uh, X-Pac and Billy Gunn were still using it on the indies not so long ago. Well, how many people do that crotch chop? Exactly. People even in New out, Japan do that. I was going to say, even out of context, you see it on TV shows and in films and, and things like that. And it's, it's one of the few things that sort of got out of wrestling into sort of mainstream culture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there you go, really. You know, number three, DX, for their contribution to the WWE and helping us enjoy the product for longer because I feel without them and without Stone Cold, it could have been a very, very different story and we could be doing a WCW podcast right now. Yeah. Um, Top two now. And again, we talked about how two to six could be interchangeable. There is a reason we've placed this team here. So the number two is the Dudley Boys. 
Now, aka Team 3D, aka Team 3D, absolutely. Um, aka Reverend Devon and Bully Ray. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like the least, the less we say about Reverend Devon, the better. Um, yeah, yeah. I think one character was significantly better at reinventing himself than the other. Um, <laughs> testify. Um, so yeah, the Dudley Boys, the one of the most decorated tag teams in wrestling history. Um, the most decorated WWF tag team with yeah. eight reigns. You know, one of the instantly most recognizable tag teams on the circuit, even now, you know, even though Devon hasn't wrestled in God knows how long, you know, <laughs> they've wrestled in ECW, NWA, WCW even, um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, TNA. They've wrestled everywhere, and everywhere they've won gold. Yeah. And that's because, again, they have a great connection, a really, really good connection. They, Everything they've done, seemingly has turned to gold. Seemingly. I mean, even their finisher. You know, yeah. the 3D. No one kicked out of it. It's one of the no. most protected finishers in WWE history. Be. And, on top of that, it's one of the most instantly recognisable. Yeah. and the, I mean, the, as well as that, they, they made the table match, like, part of their gimmick. Yeah, absolutely. Like the table was like the third member for them at times. Yeah, and yes, the was up thing did start to get slightly irritating. Yeah, it was funny when they did it because it was it was relevant. But then when they kept it going for years past the point where that advert didn't exist anymore. Yes, there was a there was a there was a horrible lull in between it being relevant and it being nostalgic. There was a horrible yeah. lull in the middle where it was like. They need to stop, stop doing this now. Stop <laughs> but and when they come back and did it, everyone wanted it again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, because it was nostalgia. I mean, these two men together are iconic. Even apart, Bubba Ray definitely more so. Oh. They're known everywhere. Uh, he was... Why, why he didn't get a run in WWE as Bully? I don't know, because he was so good. Bullet Ray and TNA was decent. He's, some of his matches with Sting were really, really good. He's a good wrestler. I mean, He's brutal as well. When they got split up in the draft, the original draft, the inaugural draft, which made no sense whatsoever, um, Bully Ray, well, Bubba had a great run with the Hardcore Championship. Yeah. So they knew what he was capable of, and... I don't feel like the Dudleys were ever a team that people were bored of. So why just, did they need? They yeah. didn't need to be split up, and I felt that was they, split up for the Nisset. Adam Nisset. I don't know really why. They they were one of those teams that you just thought it's the Dudleys that come as a package that always will. Yeah, and I feel like Devon definitely needed Bubba Ray more than Bubba Ray needed Devon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, because unfortunately. As we've stated and as we've already alluded to, Devon's failed attempt at a singles bush was <laughs> quite disastrous. Very, 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 very poor. Um, yeah. But, you know, even... The only thing that I regret with the Dudleys is they came back in 2015 and they were jobbed out. Yeah, just pretty much immediately. Yeah. 
they were forced to go on the pre-show of events and things like that. It just seemed... It was just like, why? Why have they come back? I don't really understand why. Um, I mean, Bubba had made a great appearance at the Royal Rumble at Fit in Philly. That was amazing. But did they need to come back, really? Did they? No. no. I don't think they needed to, to do that. No. To just put other teams over. Because it's sort of... I mean, if you think that's the last time you see them, it's sort of... Uh, a mark on the legacy. Well, who was it who sent be... them on the way? Was it the? Oh, it was the club. Mm. Just let you sent them through the table with the magic killer, and they were never seen again. And what happened to the club? <laughs> oh yeah, God yeah. Oh God. I mean, into, I think as good as I mean, as marquee as they're sort of running WWE, they're running TNA was like almost as impressive because. It wasn't a case of them going there because they had to. They went there and they really, really went for it. Well, but, um, <clears throat> I mean, together they won, again, like you say, everything. Yeah. And they had some amazing matches with, again, LEX and um, Motor City Machine Guns and they, all the other... Of course they took on LEX. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and then when they split up, they did the thing. Devon even had an all right run with I think he had the television championship but then he brought his kids into it and it was just dire <laughs> and then he brought the kids yeah. in and nobody wanted to know but, but Bully like well Bubba totally reinvented himself as this badass horrible guy who would beat anybody up um, and then <laughs> the best thing was when he did the, the whole thing about um, I'm going to go and uh, tweet it on my Twitter machine <laughs> and it, when Twitter was just sort of starting to make its way uh, and he was sort of at the front of it all, like just sort of standing in the ring with his phone, pretending to send tweets. <laughs> I love Bubba Ray, he's amazing. And um, he, when WWE out, outlawed a lot of moves, he immediately started doing them in TNA. Well, he outlawed the pile driver, and that was one of Bubba Ray's biggest moves. Well, he started he started doing it to people more, um, especially the one that he did the sting in the corner when he pulled uh, the apron up just onto the wood. Oh God! Fucking hell, fire! And I don't think there'd be that. many. I don't think there'd be many people that Dixie Carter would have let put through a table. I don't think there are many people left on the planet who haven't been put through a table by um, Dudley and um, by Bubba yeah. Ray Dudley, is it? But I mean, so, speaking of people, like speaking of people that Bubba Ray's put through a table, can we also talk about how many people have actually been in the Dudley Boys? Oh yeah, there was the family, wasn't there? Was there was ECW. The, yeah, there was the Dudley family, obviously. But then you got Spike in WWE. You've got don't forget the Duchess of Dudleyville, <laughs> Stacy Keebler. Yeah. What the fuck was that about? <laughs> it it was quite funny to be fair. But said no for her. <laughs> but yeah, number number two, you know the most decorated team in professional wrestling, I feel and. For, for sheer amount of championships anyway. And but also Aces and Eights as well. Yeah, Aces and Eights, all that storyline. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> when, yeah. It didn't work in WCW. Let's see if it works in TNA. Okay, Bischoff. <laughs> um, but yeah, just for, again, sheer legacy, Dudley Boys at number two. Which takes us to number one. And it's the Legion of Doom. It's the Road Warriors. <laughs> of course it's the Road Warriors. It has to be the Road Warriors. Never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I'm going to list off some championships they've won. Two-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. One-time NWA Tag Team Championship. Um, One-time one time AWA Tag Team Champions. One-time World Japan Tag Team Champions. <laughs> one-time Georgia Champ... Oh, no, sorry. Four-time Georgia Championship Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Two-time WWF Tag Team Championships. And that is not counting what they did in Jim Crockett promotions because that was split into about three different things at the time. Yeah. These men, well, I mean, we said at the top of the show that Vince wanted them so badly that he was willing to create a bad knockoff of them just to say that he got someone like the Road Warriors. When you've got that sort of pull in the wrestling industry and when you've got the man who's effectively monopolising wrestling turning his neck and going, I want them, you know you're doing something good. You know you're doing something good. And God, were they doing something good. From their look, from the face paint of the shoulder pads, the fact that their promos were just two just fucking (laughs) jacked up men yelling at each other to the point where you are genuinely a bit intimidated watching it until you remember that it's like, you know, 20 years in the past, it's still quite scary. You've got that catchphrase. Oh, yeah, what a rush. But again, an iconic entrance. You know, you hear that, what a rush. And you're like, oh my God. We spoke about pops for the Hardy Boys. Oh my God, when the Legion of Doom arrive in the WWF. Well, it, Incredible. It, it was called It was called the, the Road Warriors pop, wasn't it? Yeah, it's enormous. And I bet that the network doesn't do it justice. Yeah. It won't do it justice because the internet was not a thing really in the 90s, like at all. You've got, you know, your dial-up. But, you know, to have someone or have a team that was known universally without the internet, it's different now. You go onto YouTube and you find clips of everyone. But yeah. back then, you know that everyone knew them. And that was just, it was because of how good they were. Their reputation Legion, preceded them. They were, before I even saw wrestling, um, they were the thing that got me into wrestling. I saw them in my friend's house. He had, His brother had a copy of the WWF magazine and they were on the front cover. And I looked at it and I thought, what the hell is that? And he was like, oh, it's wrestling, blah, blah, blah. And then that's that, that was it. That's how I got in. <laughs> I mean, we haven't even touched on their finishing move. So deadly that no one even uses it anymore. Exactly. No one uses it anymore. No one ever kicked out of it, and several wrestlers were scared of taking it. Yeah. I mean, what else can we um, say about this team that we haven't said already? I mean, they had, at one point, they had um, Paul Ellering, who was still one of my favourite managers ever. Young Paul Ellering. Really weird looking at him now. Really weird. (laughs) Don't forget, they had their mascot, Rocco. Oh, the, pop, the puppet. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And then they just they turned up without him one day, and Hawk was like, yeah, we left him in there. We left him on the baggage carousel. And it just take... he never came back. I mean, when the, um, the... On SummerSlam 92... Is that, that's the one... That's the one at Wembley. Wembley. They came down on motorbikes. <laughs> they were the only ones allowed to do that. And they looked... Badass. badass. Yeah, absolutely. Because they are badass. They're amazing. Um, where, where it is, I mean, you look at them and, I mean, now you, you, you see interviews with 
like animal and you, you hear interviews with people and they say they were two of the most like like lovely blokes going <laughs> but you just you can't believe that when you watch nah. them on telly yelling at you people yeah. think like like people say hawk was like the nicest guys you'll ever meet <laughs> it's like no way jesus christ you seen that clothesline he gives <laughs> Yeah, you'd you'd want to be nice to him, to be honest. I'm taking the doomsday device today, Hawk, but can I say your I hair mean, looks lovely today? God, I, I mean, as wrestlers, they weren't very good. They were very, very limited. Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't about their wrestling skill. It was. It was like the. It was like the Ultimate Warrior thing. It was all about. It was the pomp. It was the, the, excitement. The fury. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, the feuds they had were like pretty, pretty good. I mean, they, they never. I, I don't really remember them having like a long running feud because they would just destroy people. They did. They did. The only regret I have with the Legion of Doom is how they were treated in the WWF. Yeah. Because after being so dominant, you know, and after that opening pop, when they first came to the company and Vince had gotten what he wanted. Nothing really happened. Nothing no, they... lit the world on fire, did it? They, they just—I don't That's know whether I... WWE creative just didn't get it. Or... That's what I mean about them not having like a proper feud. Yeah, they just seem to be in matches with no real. Well, look at the the Nation of Domination match, mm-hmm. where they were just they were lumped in a six man tag. It's just like for God's sake. And then you had the whole thing with Hawk, which was fucking disgusting. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Especially when you consider his history. But well, it's fine because don't forget, they attempted to bring back the Legion of Doom. You had LOD 2000. Oh, God. Um, you had. The Hein- Heinrich, or whatever it was called. Oh, yeah, LOD 2005, which was Heidenreich. Um, they, they. For a team that Vince wanted in the WWF so badly, he created a knockoff. They didn't half do their damnedest to try and rip it, to try and like rip their reputation to yeah. shreds. It's no and wonder they left so many times. They had that. They went over to WCW. And that was even worse. Did nothing. Yeah, exactly. That was even worse. Um, is that where they changed? Oh, then they went to TNA for a bit. Um, Jesus Christ. Where they changed to the blue outfits. <laughs> Very odd. And it was just, and it was just the whole. I don't know. It just. It just seemed like Vince had got what he wanted, but didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. It was like a dog chasing a car. He just had no idea once yeah. he actually got to the car, which yet is they're still yet they still got over massive. Yeah, because of their reputation, not because of anything Vince did when they got to WWF, and that's a shame. But let's not let that take away from the fact that these guys were fantastic. They were incredible, and they are yeah. fully, fully deserving of the number one on this measly list. Are they the only... I know it's... must be these and um, a Demolition in the Hall of Fame. Um, no, Demolition aren't. Not yet. Um, I'd, well, I doubt they will be for a while after this concussion lawsuit. Um, yeah, but yeah. the Legion of Doom are, yes, 2011. Yeah. Um, one of the only ones on the list. Uh, Dudley's. Obviously the Dudley's. Yeah. Dudley's 2017. Recently. Edge and Christian as well. Edge are. Edge is. Christian isn't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, DX, you've got Shawn Michaels, but no Triple H. Hardy's not yet, but that's just a matter of time, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, 
Heart Foundation. The Heart Foundation aren't, obviously. Spread. Um, Harlem Heat won't be. New Day aren't yet, but obviously that's a matter of time. Beer Money obviously won't be. So yeah, pretty much LOD and the Dudleys. Top two. There you go. (laughs) See, I knew we'd done something right on this list. Well, (laughs) there you go, ladies and gentlemen. They are our top ten tag teams. Now, feel free to disagree with us, because I'm sure a lot of you are rapidly, rapidly typing as I'm saying this now. But please, feel free to talk to us on whatever social media you're listening to this on, whether it be through our, you know, any number of podcast apps. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean, Audio Boom, all sorts. Um, talk to us through there, through Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania. You can Shout at me. I'm at Real Rob Goodwin. Where can they find you, Garth? I am at Drummer Jackson. Okay. Be nice. Fantastic. (laughs) Be nice. (laughs) Keep an eye out on Sunday where Chris will be delivering another episode of the Young Lion podcast, talking about the opening days of the Best of the Supers Juniors tournament, which has looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Check out... I need to catch the um, replays of that. Absolutely. Check it out on Facebook and YouTube. It's amazing. Um, and yeah we'll be back next Thursday with another retro pay-per-view review where we'll be looking at Money in the Bank 2016 but until then I shall talk to you guys again soon yes cheers see you later guys